This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You are listening to Metal Shop's Backstage Pass. Hey, what's up? It's Metal Shop. We're on the, I'm on the phone right now with Vincent Bennett, vocalist for Acacia Strain. Um, first off, I wanted to check, like, how are you doing, man? How are you staying sane in quarantine, staying home? Uh, are, you, are you staying oh, safe and sane? I was built for this. Nice. Me. Like, I, if, if I ever had a dream, it was to, it would to be, whoa, what? If I ever had a dream, it would be to be doing this. Like, I, it sucks not being able to, like, go to the grocery store mm-hmm. without being afraid or or go hiking or whatever but i was built for staying home i am uh i'm not loving it because of the situation but i'm i'm staying i'm surviving and i'm staying as sane as i can because i am um I, this is what i usually do when i'm home from tour anyways it's just um the only thing that's really 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 frustrating is not knowing um if our tour plans for the future are going to be canceled yeah. or what is going on with with actual live music that's the only thing that's actually kind of scary but everything else is just um it's i'm fine i'm good so when you're at home would you say like when you're not on the road would you call yourself like a homebody kind of absolutely I, I i'm gone from my home so often yeah. like probably six months out of the year i'm not home mm-hmm. um so when i am home i just love a good staycation like i like just staying home yeah um and just you know enjoying my house um yeah. while i can because for half of the year i live in a van so yeah and and um i mean when you you mentioned it's it's scary kind of going out to get groceries and stuff but look at the look at the positive part like i i, I made a bandana a camo bandana so i look like i'm about to mosh the throwdown in 2000 you know yeah, exactly. It's it's wild out there. Like everybody, it's going to the grocery store and everybody's dressed like Sub Zero. Like I know. Uh, it's at first people were. I started wearing a mask like long before it was um, not before it was cool, obviously, but long mask before hipster. it was necessary. Before it was necessary, you know. Yeah. Like when I got home from tour, I was like, "All right, this is fucking real. Mm-hmm. I have to go to the grocery store. I'm going to protect myself, however I can." So I had, you know. Hand sanitizer in my pockets. I had rubber uh, surger, surgical gloves, and I had a I had a medical mask. And everyone at the grocery store was looking at me like I was crazy. And I'm like, Are you getting, Are you guys serious? Like, yeah. why aren't you wearing this stuff? And now it's mandatory. So now you get looks if you're not wearing that. Oh stuff, yeah. Which I think good because everyone should be everyone should be doing their part. You know. Yeah. 
When people are looking at you weird, like that first outing, you just like in your mind, you're like, give it a week, motherfuckers, give it a week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, so let's talk a bit about that. You guys were out on tour when it started to get real. Things started to really shut yeah. down and escalate. Uh, like, bring me back to that time. Like, where were you when you realized tour would have to end? And what was that like? Like being out on the road in the mi- in the beginning of a pandemic. I mean, we hit, we started tour when it first really started to be talked about. We were yeah. in, uh, we were in New Haven, Connecticut uh, at the end of February, um, right when the president was saying that it was no big deal. So mm-hmm. we were all, you know, uh, everybody was kind of just like, oh, this will pass. It's just like a cold or the flu. It's yeah. just whatever. It's yep. no big deal. So nobody really had a grasp. Um, I think we were all being misinformed and nobody really had a grasp of the seriousness of it. So we were on tour and we weren't even thinking about it. You know, like we're, we weren't seeing masks. Devin was extremely careful with hand sanitizers, but he gets sick very easily Mm -hmm. on tour and he gets sick always. So he was like, you know what? I'm not going to get sick on this tour. And we were all like, good job, man. Like this is no big deal. It's isolated to California or whatever. And it'll be over. Um, And then, week after week we started like getting into the tour and like clubs started to shut down and and restaurants started to shut down and states started to shut down and we were like in texas and we're like oh this is kind of crazy so i wasn't giving the microphone um Mm -hmm. to the crowd and i wasn't you know usually i spit giant plumes of water into the air and i wasn't doing that because i wanted to be socially conscious Uh and we were driving we were driving to california from texas Mm -hmm. And we stopped in Las Vegas at our friend Zach's house, who plays for the Ghost Inside, and we stayed at his house for a little while. Awesome. And that's that's when it started. That's when it really, really, like, when we drove there was when we first started getting the, oh, your Seattle show's canceled. And we are like, oh, that sucks. Yep. And then when we got to Vegas, it was, oh, your Portland show's canceled, and your Northern California show's canceled. And we were like, okay, well, we'll still go to California. Like, yeah. the, the Orange County show's still on. So the day off we had in Vegas um, is when I got a call from our manager and this was like, okay, Seattle shut down. This is shut down. You know, you can't go here. And we we're like, okay, whatever. Like, we'll just do the shows that we can. Mm-hmm. And our manager called me and he said, you know what? We have, you have to go home. And I was like, what? And he's like, all the shows are getting shut. Like there's 200 cap yep. ban mm-hmm. on everything. And you, you're not going to be able to venues are just closing left and right. And we're like, yep. all right. We'll play the California show because it's still on. So we did two shows in California at the at the Chain Reaction. Yep. Um, to do we did 150 or 200 cap shows to adhere with the laws. Yeah. And we were like, all right, we'll book some shows on the way home. So last minute we got a show in Las Vegas. So we drove back through Vegas and played a show. And when it was like, oh, all of the other shows are canceled on the way home. Like the shows that we got to help us get gas money to drive all the way across the country to Albany, New York, um, got canceled. So we had to do a dead drive from Las Vegas to Albany. And then Tom had to drive to North Carolina where he lives. Jesus. And it was just, it was crazy. Like we, we, and I'm not, I'm not, I, I'm not here to like complain about, Oh, we lost so much money and all this stuff, but it's like, we did. Yeah. And everybody did and everybody is, and it's crazy. And everybody, everybody's in this. That's why I feel bad mm-hmm. complaining because we're all in the same boat. We're all losing money. We're yep. all having a hard time. And um, it's just affecting different people in different ways. And it was crazy to see it unfold yep. out there. You know, all I wanted to do was be home. All I wanted to do. Um, as soon as it started to hit, I was just like, there's no way 
that we can be we can safely say, yeah, shows can happen. Yeah, like, I didn't want to be responsible for that, so we, we just went home. I saw that you guys kind of did. Uh, you at least were were looking to book a couple like kind of VFW DIY shows. Did those end up getting canceled too, or did did those yeah, happen? Yeah, we did. We did one VFW hall in Las Vegas, and yeah. that show got booked in 24 hours. Damn, 24 hours, and there was like almost 200 people there yeah. in a VFW hall in Las Vegas. And after that, we were driving to Denver, Colorado, and the Denver show just they, they just canceled it. Yeah. And then the show after that got canceled, and we were just like, you know what? Let's just go home. Yeah. And it it, it going to happen. It would have been irresponsible of us to play them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I mean, so, yeah. It's, that's at that point, this is kind of all you can do. Um, yeah. But let, let's talk a little bit more uh, positive side of things. You guys are doing a lot of stuff. You guys recently released the, the C7-inch uh, digital single. Yes. Uh, before that, yep. you released D and E. Um, yep. both rad, like the C one I was listening to on my walk this morning. And like the, the second song on there, like it's, I was like, damn dude, this is like groovy doom. Like, yeah, yeah. It's, Devin uh, wrote that one. Devin is a big fan of the band warning. Ah, uh, that's awesome. Yep. Comes off in the instrumentation of that one for sure. So, um, for, uh, as far as like the format behind releasing like seven inch and digital singles, uh, what was the idea be- behind doing these like, um, drops of just a few songs at a time rather than a full length or EP? Like where did this idea originate, man? Um, I- I've wanted to do this for a long time. Like when I was a, when I was a teenager and going to the record store every week, like yeah. with my, you know, with my money that I would make working at Dairy Queen, I would go to the record store every mm-hmm. week and look at the seven inches because they were three bucks or yep. four bucks. And and every it seemed like every week I went to the record store, bands would have new music oh, on yeah. this format because it was so it was cheap for them to press. And it was there was no, you know. Napster was the only way to get music, and you got it illegally. There was no Spotify. Mm-hmm. There was no way to release percentages. Every week, it seemed like it was like $4 to get two songs or three songs. It was awesome. Yeah. And it made me feel like, oh, yeah, I'm, like, I'm supporting the band. I'm, I have physical media. I'm ready to go. So um, that stopped after – after a little while, that, that just went away. You know, bands still release seven inches, but not as frequently as they do as yeah. they used to. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to kind of call back to that and just do a bunch of seven inches. And that was the first thought in my mind is like, hey, I just want to put out a bunch of seven inches. Like maybe there'll be splits with other bands or maybe this. And then I was like, ah, that would be really f-ing hard to yeah. coordinate all that. You know? Just go in the studio every month and record two songs. So then I was like, well, what if we did them all at once and released them? you know, a little bit and it'll be like a kind of like a full length with a different way to release it. And that's kind of, you know, just where the, the, it, the initial thought came from just being reminded of being a kid and going to the record store and just like, wow, they're still coming out with music. Like yeah. they just, it feels like they, they just came out with a record a month ago. Like, so that's kind of what we're trying to do. That's too many bands, like too many bands release, you know, take too long to release records. So mm-hmm. now we're just releasing them rapid fire. 
I remember uh, distinctly. So this kind of brings a couple things in mind to me. Uh, we, we talked with Phil and some of, uh, when he was doing the down EPs and he said, yeah. he said, I'm never going to do another full length again. Like there's no point. He said, and, and I'm not you know, saying that that's what your idea is, but he was speaking to the point that he's like, it just gets lost. Like you put an amazing song in 10 tracks in nobody's going to listen to exactly. that. Exactly. He's like, there's, just, that was my other, that was my other after thinking about this. I was like, you know what? Like, you, exactly what what you just said, Phil said is that you put a CD on and you put it in your car and you put it on your, when you're going for a run. You never hit the tenth song. Yeah. You never hit the eleventh song or twelfth <laughs> song. Those songs just get lost. It's like it's like playing a video game. You know, like where you play the first level so many times, you know it like the back of your hand. Yep. But once you get to those later level levels, you're like, what the hell is this? I can't even beat this. So it's kind of like. You never hear that. So when you release it, like here's two songs, listen to them, and yep. people listen to the full song. You yep. know they don't they don't skip the track or they know. So if a if a full length comes out with all of these songs on them, people will already know. Okay, so now I have one place to go with all of these songs, and I know every single one. This is how they were released. Back in the early 90s, uh, Sub Pop Records did this thing. It was like the singles um, subscription where you would pay uh, like a yearly thing and they would send you the monthly single. And yeah, Doghouse did that, too, I think. Oh, that's I mean, it's kind of like not obviously it's not the same thing, but it's almost like you guys, Acacia Strain, you know, periodically you release a single and check it out. Here's the here's the Acacia Strain singles collection or subscription. And we wanted to have it. We wanted to have it. So people wanted to get every single one, you know, so yeah. that's, we put the letters with the letters on it. And it's kind of, it's obviously going to spell something and people are going to want to have every single one. If they have D E no C, then what the hell, you yeah. know, <laughs> I'm, I'm even, maybe... if the songs, even if they don't like the songs, they want to have that. They want to have that letter. I think that maybe once the word is created, once they find out, maybe then they could go back and they could rearrange it to create some like naughty words or something. You know, they could rearrange the the. <laughs> I'm really thinking about which what words they would spell, and they'd probably just be in a foreign language. Uh, so you guys did naughty, a, naughty foreign words, naughty foreign words. That's the best kind. Um, so. I love the label Closed Casket Activities. They put out some of my favorite records over the last couple of years, like Vane and and um, uh, and the Harm's Way. Uh, actually, no, they did Eyes of the Lord. Yeah, anyways. So Closed Caskets, Caskets Badass. Uh, you guys did a surprise drop of their album, uh, of, of your album. It comes in waves last year on their label. Uh, yeah. How did you guys get to working with Closed Casket Activities? Um, because, yeah. like, they're... they're uh, a big within like the underground hardcore, but I, I would definitely say you guys are like the biggest band that's been released on Close Casket. How did that come about? Um, Justin and I, and I have been a very uh, friends for a very long time. Like I, I live in upstate New York, and that's where Close Casket is based out of. And um, I've known Justin just from going to shows, and he used to put on shows at this place called the the Drop Zone, and um, so I met him kind of through that. Um, and we've known each other for a very long time. I've known Justin for almost, uh, like 12 years now. Oh, wow. Okay. And we, you know, we've, we've been friends and, um, for a while we worked together. We were, we were co-workers, uh, for all in merch. Oh, and cool. We, we sh- yeah, we shared an office and, uh, we got to talking and I was like, you know, what do I have to do to like put out a record on your label. And he's like, all you have to do is write a record and I'll put it out. So, um, I wanted to go 
kind of weird with it, you know, because yeah. like you said, Closed Casket is a very, uh, they're an underground label, but they have a certain format that, mm-hmm. and I respect Justin. I respect Justin for that for, for many reasons, but he doesn't really stray from his format of the bands that he likes to put out. So, yeah. um, we decided we'll make it kind of an experimental thing, uh, as far as the case train is concerned. Yeah. And, it kind of came together over a couple of years and um, I just wanted to do something cool with Justin. We wanted to work together. I, I used to be in a band called cock punch and Justin oh, yeah. actually put out, he put out our first record on close casket a very, very long time ago. That's cool. So, um, yeah, I've been listening well. So I do something that wasn't. And I think in my opinion, like it's my favorite thing that we've ever done. And I think it's the most forward thinking record of case chains ever put out. And because of that record, um, all of our music is going to kind of be a little bit more, um, experimental here That's and there, cool. you know? Yeah, man. So it... the closed casket record is, is, it's probably my favorite, one of my favorite things just because of the, the way we did it and the history behind it. Mm-hmm. And, I don't know. It's just, it's just fun to me. Where, uh, is that an, uh, what was the, uh, sorry, how do I word this? The, the experimental direction that you guys went in, I mean, there's like some post rock influence in there. There's like, it's a little bit of mellow death a little bit as far as the instrumentation and just, it's, uh, some doom. I mean, I'm not trying to like classify you guys, but it's, it, it is definitely experimental in, in that as far as Acacia Strain goes. Uh, did that, is that something that happened organically or like who, who was just, was there a person in the band that was like, dude, let's, let's try something new. So this was Tom. It was Tom's first time writing for Acacia strain. Cool. So he was super nervous and he mm-hmm. was like, you know, I don't know what to do. What do I do? I don't want to not write an Acacia strain record. And I was like, Hey, guess what? This isn't, this isn't a typical Acacia strain record. Write whatever that you want. That's cool. Write whatever, whatever you want. And that, that was the thing that kind of pushed Tom was to do whatever the, whatever was influencing him at the time. Mm-hmm. And Griffin was the same way. Griffin helped write most of Grave Bloom. And Griffin was just like, I can do whatever I want. Like one of Griffin's favorite bands is the Foo Fighters. Cool. So like, he was like, yeah. I can do whatever I want. So that happened. And then Devin is a huge Doom fan. Yeah. So he, he was like, oh, I can finally do some Doom stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's, kind of where it all landed it was basically a do whatever the hell you want record and everybody had free form to literally write whatever they wanted with no judgment whatsoever and without without having to to adhere to whatever format that they thought acacia strain had to stick to and it was probably pretty freeing as far as just those you know any break all barriers and say screw it absolutely and we did it on tour like we recorded it oh that's wrote cool. it and recorded on tour so it was like Wherever we could get a free, a free minute, we would just put down a riff, and then you know later on just perfect it a little bit, and it all came together just like that, just piecemeal, and uh, it, it ended up just flowing so well that we made it one song. That's awesome. Uh, so I, I uh, wanted to pivot over to this because uh, it's something that. Um, uh, so I've listened to you on a couple interviews, and, and I, I don't want to speak for you or put words into your mouth, but it seems to me, just from seeing you over the years, uh, as far as your band goes, like seeing you live, um, it's pretty apparent that you, you seem to be a bit more positive about things these days. Oh, is is that true, and where did this change in your outlook stem from? Um, it's absolutely true. I, I just woke up one day and was like, why am I like this? You know, why, what's my problem? Like my, I don't have it that bad, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I was trying to figure out like, 
why I had the outlook that I did. And, and it took me a while to, to figure it out. Like, and I wrote in a notebook every day about like, Oh, what made you angry today? What, what do you think puts you in a bad mood today? And it turned out a lot of it was, it wasn't self-inflicted, but it was things in my life that I didn't need that were making me this way. It was people mm-hmm. and it was situations and it was feelings and it was things that I did that just didn't make me happy. And I, I, I realized that this, this isn't the way a person should live. There's no reason that you should just be angry and be sad and be negative for the sake of it. it, it there's reasons to be mad and there's reasons to be sad. And, and I wasn't, I wasn't clinging to any of them. I just was doing it just to do it. And I, I, I realized that it was pointless. I, I, I couldn't continue living my life like that because it was, it was bringing me down. Yeah. It was making me, it was making me miserable. I was hard to be around. I was hard to talk to you. And I was, I was just a bad person and I, I didn't want to be like that anymore. So I took that notebook and I started, you know, cross the list, like crossing things off the list. Yes. Physically kind of expunge them from my love people that were making me feel bad i i just stopped talking to them it was pointless you know this these things that i did that didn't make me happy i stopped doing them and i started doing things that made me happy nice. and i started eating better and i started exercising yeah. and I started making myself feel like a better person and, and, it, and it worked you know um operation ivy sick body, sick mind. Well, guess what? Healthy body, healthy mind too. Yeah. You know, so I was eating better and I was exercising and I, it, it made my brain different. Um, so I was just taking all of the steps that I could to make myself a better person. And, and in turn, it made me think better and it made me happier. And it, and it made me want to, it made me want to tell my story to people yeah. because I know a case of strain fans, and heavy metal fans in general are a different breed of people. You know, we are all, um, I don't want to say the same, but we all have similar qualities that make us want to listen to such angry and loud music. Mm -hmm. And I know, I know, you know, we're lonely, we're sad, we're depressed, we're, we're upset. We have things in our lives that happen that us up. And, and I want to, I want people to know that like you can, Listen to heavy metal and be angry, and it's not a bad thing to be angry, but don't be angry just to be angry. You have to change and be better, and you can't just be an ass to be one. The earth, the world, and this country especially has enough ass in it. We don't need more. So what you should do in turn is be the anti-ass and hold doors for people and smile and wave to your neighbors and just be the, be the person that, you, that those people don't think you're going to be because you listen to heavy metal music and because, you know, you, you wear black, you mm-hmm. know, they don't expect that from you. And, and, and I think um, it takes a long time. It takes, it took me years to get to where I am right now to expunge all of that nonsense and, and I had to um, open up to people and I had to talk to people and I had to, 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 to understand that talking helps. And, and, and if you're having a problem, don't be afraid to call someone on the phone or text them and be like, Hey, can we talk for a second? I really yeah. need to get something off my chest. Like it's important to do everything that you can to be happy.
and to be a positive person and to, even though it's, it might be, you know, PMA might not be your thing exactly, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but you can't just walk around being miserable all the time for no reason. Like you gotta, you gotta do what you can just to be kind of be happy. And I want people to realize that if I can do it, if I can do it, yeah. I, I was, I was terrible. If I can do it, anybody can. It'll eat you up inside if you don't. So that's it. absolutely. Um, I mean, so, so with all of that self-reflection, I mean, you're also, I know from listening to interviews that you're also still actively always seeking out new music and, and, and you're all, like music is, it seems to be a, a bit of a therapy, at least for you, as it is to a lot of us. Um, are there any, are there any albums specifically that like, if you're having a day or if you're just like, you're, you're in your mind or you're in a negative feedback loop, are there any albums specifically that you can go to that can like lift your spirits and are therapeutic to you? Um, I, I usually um, I listen to Earth. Yeah, Earth, Earth. Earth is my favorite band. And if I had a bad day, wow. I usually okay. just turn all the lights off and and just put on an Earth record as loud as I can. Even though it's quiet music, um, I I love I love Earth. Yeah, and I I'll, maybe I'll light a candle and I'll drink a cup of coffee, um, but I love. I love it. It's that's the thing that helps me just unwind at the end of everything. I uh, I got to see Earth. Was it on Halloween? Yeah, I think it was on Halloween this past year. I saw Earth and Dylan was wearing uh, Dylan from Earth was wearing bunny ears. It was awesome. That's, that's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. yeah, they're they're literally my favorite. And anything after Hex on is just a masterpiece. Hibernaculum is is one of my favorites. Uh, Angels of Darkness, Demons of Light. One is, I think, one of the best records ever written. So yeah. Yeah, anything anything Earth has done is just, it's really, it's a really good de-stressor at the end oh, of yeah. the day. Absolutely, man. Damn. I didn't, didn't expect that from, that's really cool. Earth, you know, that that band's so good. Uh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, or, um, I, listen to, I listen to a lot of Miles Davis. Miles Davis is my favorite uh, instrumentalist of all time. So okay. uh, a lot of Miles Davis too, yeah. So you mentioned that um, part of, uh, you know, changing your outlook on things and, ch- and changing your head, uh, changing your, your, your mind was your, your, your body. So uh, healthy body, healthy mind. And uh, you've, you've gotten pretty damn fit over the last few years. So first off, congratulations on that. And thank you very much. I'm you're, you're welcome. Trying. How are you staying active while also staying safe now? Are, are you doing home workouts? Are you going on like little uh, person personalized, like isolated walks or how, how's that going for you? It's always been home workouts since the beginning. I don't like going to the gym because okay. I don't like uh, I don't like gym culture. Even if I if took a plan of fitness, like I just don't like being a place because you feel like you're obligated to work out because sure. you have this. Um, you should want to work out because you want to, not because you feel like you have to. Um, so I, I've always um, been really into cardio, and I know like a lot of like meatheads out there or, or lifters are very anti cardio because it helps. It doesn't help them bulk up. But I'm not trying to be like a big strong guy. I'm just trying to stay in shape. Mm-hmm. So cardio is good. Um, I do. I, I recently got into well, in the past couple of years. I've gotten into kettlebells. Yeah. Um, kettlebells are kettlebells are amazing, and they're almost impossible to find right now because everybody oh, yeah. that doesn't have a that has a gym membership that can't go to the gym, they like soaked the internet of all kettlebells you can't yeah. buy them anywhere <clears throat> so luckily i had i've had them for a while so i do kettle, i do kettlebells three times a week i do cardio and i use i do uh, resistance bands also oh, cool. are a great uh, a great way to stay toned um 
I do a lot of, yeah, I have like a, I do kettlebells, then cardio. I, I do like every three days or whatever. Um, and it's really cool. Like, it's just nice to, to be like, all right, I just ate my breakfast. Now I got to work out. Don't take a shower and start my day. Like, it's a good feeling. You feel like you accomplish something that early in the morning. It's mm-hmm. cool. I just bought something called a, this is, this is something that Justin from Closed Casket actually introduced me to. I just bought one. It's called a workout mace. Hmm. And it's like this long stick with a huge metal ball on the end. It's a literal f***ing mace without the spikes. Sounds like black you metal. Just swing, you just swing it around and like you hit the ground with it and stuff. And it's like supposed to like tone every, it's supposed to work every muscle in your body. So I'm okay. supposed to get mine in the mail tomorrow. So I'm really excited to get this like thing. That's just, um, it's literally a mace. And Justin sent me this video and he's like, yeah, I know it's like a lot of Viking workouts, but they yeah. work. And I'm like, all right, man, whatever, you, whatever works. So yeah, I'm really excited to get that. You know, you got to listen to like Immortal and Dark Throne while you do that. Though, Absolutely, right? yeah. Anything from Nor- <laughs> anything from Norway or Sweden, I'm just gonna yes. be just ripping it as loud as I. That's amazing. Emperor is my favorite black metal band. I love them. Oh, that's awesome. Um, so let's go back to a little bit to your formative days, if you don't mind. Like I was, so you were talking about like um, you know going home from Dairy Queen and, and picking up CDs or picking up records. Uh, what was the first album, and even if it's embarrassing, first one that you ever purchased on your own uh, with your own money? The first one was a cassette tape. I bought a cassette tape um, by a band called The Breeders. Oh yeah, I know the, the record. Breeders. The record yeah. was called Last Splash. It's Kim Deal from Pixies. Yeah, other band and The Breeders. That was the first cassette tape I ever bought with my own money, and it was from a record store called The Wall. Okay, and uh, I still I still have it. Um, I, it's not worn out because I didn't want to I didn't want to break it, but yeah, I still have that tape. Did you get them from like 120 minutes on MTV or something? You saw like a random video or the radio? Uh, I remember Can- I remember Cannonball was on yeah. MTV a lot when I was like 13 or 12, 12 probably 12 years old. And my friends, um, my friend's brother, my friend Justin had an older brother who mm-hmm. was more into music, and I learned a lot from him. And he taped, um, he videotaped like one of their performances from Lollapalooza or something like that. Oh, and I was cool. like, holy, f- this is crazy. The whole crowd's going nuts. And I was like, I love the breeders. So I had a crush on King Deal when I was a kid too. Uh, the Pixies are like up from around where I grew up. Oh, so cool. I knew about the Pixies and I found out about the breeders through, um, through MTV. So I was like, Oh, King Deal from the Pixies has a band where she sings. Awesome. So yeah, nice. the first, the first CD I ever got where I didn't buy it myself was, um, crisscross totally crossed out. Oh yeah. Nine years old. Yeah. I, I wore my clothes backwards and uh, didn't look oh, that no. cool, but <laughs> picture like a seven-year-old cool white kid in the suburbs with yeah. his clothes backwards. Yeah, trying to be like crisscross <laughs> in a roller skating party. Uh, so so what was your uh, like form, formative time in like uh, hardcore and punk? What got you exposed to, you know, underground, hardcore, metal music, uh, the aggressive stuff? I was uh, I was super into ska when I was a freshman in high school. Pick it up, I pick it up, pick it ska up. ska music, yeah. yeah. I was from Massachusetts, so like the ska scene was huge. Like, Boston's, dude. Boston's yeah. from there. And uh, Spring Hill Jack. Oh, from, I remember that. Uh, I think Rhode Island or Long Island. I don't know. They were from, I was from the Northeast. So Scott was huge. Um, Moon Scott from New York and all that other stuff. So I started going to Scott shows because one of my older siblings liked Scott and she like was like, oh, check this out. It's like this local band. I was like, local band? Like there's bands that play concerts that aren't, you know, huge. Yeah. And I 
found like the underground ska scene when I was like 14. And I was wearing those like Jinko jeans with like the checkerboards on the side. Rude boy. Was so cool wearing giant extra large t-shirts. And I was like the local promoter for all the ska shows was also the local promoter for all the hardcore shows and all the metal shows. Okay. So when you would go to a ska show, this young 14 year old, 15 year old me with spiky hair, um, I would get flyers for other shows. And I was like, well, I have nothing else to do. What is Earth Crisis? Uh-oh. So I would <laughs> wear my Scott get up, and I'd go to this show where Earth Crisis and Aftershock were playing. And I was like, "Amazing! what is this? So I started listening to hardcore, and I started listening to punk rock. Like, I, obviously, like, I listened to no effects and stuff. And yeah. uh, when I, before Scott, it was no effects and the punk punkorama mm-hmm. compilation and stuff like that um but then i got into hardcore because i like got a victory records comp or whatever and i started going to earth crisis shows or whatever local hardcore band i was playing uh any show any show like that's how it was like you didn't care what music was was playing yeah any show you could go to yeah. Um, you would go to as long as your parents would drop you off like so um i had a wide array of shows and i want to thank um, the promoter's name was Scott Lee, and he later on became a, one of my best friends in the entire world. So cool. I want to thank Scott Lee for introducing me to a wide array of music just by just by booking touring bands. Like it was so cool. So f- coming from you know this this ska kid who goes to these hardcore shows, like what gave you the confidence uh, to get on a microphone and try that out? I really have no idea. I. Like, <laughs> I uh, Basically, what happened was, like, I was going to these shows, and people from my high school were, like, in bands. And I was like, what the hell? Like, you can do that? You can just – you can be a teenager and be in a band and play (laughs) actual shows? Yeah. You can be on stage? I was blown away because, like, you know, I was, like, freshman and sophomore, and these seniors were in bands and playing – you know, it's really terrible shows, like mm-hmm. 15 people at them, but they were still playing music. And I was like, this is so cool. Like, I want to do that. I want to do it. And it was really hard because when you're 15 years old without a car, without any talent whatsoever, finding other people to play music with was nearly impossible. Yeah. Um, so like, you know, you'd have to like scour your high school for anyone. Do you play guitar? You play drums? <laughs> like, oh, I'll learn how to. Oh, I'll learn how to play drums. Yep. I played. Um, I played the timpani snare in my junior high's marching band. I'll play. I'll play drums for you. I've yep. never touched a drum kit in my life. Like, you just find anybody mm-hmm. who did anything. So I was just like looking for any. Oh, this this kid, this kid I knew, Nelson played jazz guitar he plays guitar he has he owns a guitar okay let's start a band oh this kid ben this kid ben who was younger than me was in his high his his marching band when he was a kid so okay he'll learn how to play the drums yep. and we were just throwing together left and right anything that we, we could do to go in my, into my mom's basement and make noise covering rage against the machine or whatever the yeah. hell we could do we would just do it and that's kind of how it started i wanted to be a vocalist because i, I would be in my friend's car and we'd just be laughing and i just started screaming and he was like you should get a microphone and i'm just like all right cool like let's do it so i've i've always wanted to be in a band since i was a young teen that's cool man i don't know how it got started but here i am yelling the microphone still at 38 dude that's awesome man it's it's cool that 
to to hear like the origin stories about of this because you know when when you know uh you know diehard acacia train fans will will uh you know they'll come to your shows and see you up there and it's just like such a a given that you're just like killing it but like let's think back like you know you were just like us probably that awkward kid that was like didn't know what they were doing but you just gave it a shot and and now i'm just an awkward adult who still has no idea what he's doing <laughs> i love it uh is so vincent from the acacia train is who i'm talking to i just have a couple more questions um first off this is a, a question that might take a, a bit of time for you but if you could i want you to pick four albums that have made a positive impact on your life uh, okay. Uh, my, my aunt bought me Led Zeppelin four when I was 13 for my 13th birthday. Nice. And Led Zeppelin four really just kind of changed my brain yeah. as far as music was yeah. concerned. I listened to a lot of alternative rock. Like I listened to a lot of Nirvana and Pearl mm-hmm. jam and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And, uh, I was like, yeah, louder, the better. So my aunt bought me this led zeppelin record i was like this is an old people music i don't want to listen to this yeah so when i finally got around to putting it in my cd player i was like whoa this is what music could be like it's not just yelling and loud guitar like it can be epic and so yeah led zeppelin 4 definitely changed my life for the better because it let me expand my brain yeah when it came to music um oh geez this is hard (laughs) This is hard. Okay, so uh, Overcast, Fight Ambition to Kill. Yeah. was definitely a record that changed me. Um, it, it, it introduced me to a different kind of metal core. Or I already knew about Earth Crisis, and I already knew about you know other bands like that. But uh, Overcast, Fight Ambition to Kill, kind of just blew my mind. That was Brian and from it, Shadows Falls band, right? Yeah, Brian from Shadows Falls, old band from uh, like the Boston area. And I was like, what is this noise? This is crazy. They have samples and they have his voice. He sounded like the de- a demon <laughs> and they called themselves devil core. And I was like, yo, what the hell? Like I was like 16 years old. I was like, what is this? This is crazy. So, um, yeah, that's one. Let's see two more that changed my life positively. Yeah. Uh, I'd want to say, um, Miles Davis kind of blue yeah. is the introduction is, was my introduction to jazz music. Yeah. Um, again, I was in one of those kids who was like, oh, music has to be loud and music has to be angry and music has to be this. And I was really into like, you know, I was into overcast and I was into converge and I was yeah. into all the, you know, the Massachusetts, uh, metal bands like shadows fall and stuff. So I was like, all right, yeah, music has to be loud. And then, my mom, or I don't remember where I heard this record for the first time, but it was just like, what is this? This is like, it, music doesn't have to be loud. This record came out in the 60s, and it it just exploded my brain. Mm-hmm. I was like, music can be quiet and still be impactful. Like, that record introduced me to a different type of music that I did not know I would enjoy. And ever since then, I've been a huge jazz fan. And jazz, I'd say right now, for the past 10 years, have, has been my genre of choice oh, wow. when it comes to music. I don't, you know, I play loud, heavy, angry music, but I don't always want to listen to that. And I need something else. And mm-hmm. jazz is the jazz is the thing. So Miles Davis Kind of Blue was my doorway uh, to a different type of music. Cool. Um, and let's see. Four, four. 
I wanna I wanna give you a I wanna give you a hardcore record that really made me better. Uh, man, this is hard. This is hard because I don't have a list in front of me. Of For like, sure, oh, yeah. I'm gonna scroll through this and and look. Uh, what's a hardcore record that uh, maybe I don't listen to this one at all anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the first, like, I guess, hardcore records I ever heard was, oh yeah, this one. So a band called Strife from California. Oh yeah. Great uh, band. Put out a record called In This Defiance. Mm-hmm. And I was in, I was at a show and some vendor, it wasn't even, Strife wasn't even playing the show, but I liked Strife. I, I liked them, heard them on a Victory Records comp or whatever, mm-hmm. and I liked them, and I bought the CD in this Defiance, and I was like, yes, I love this. It's perfectly polished. Chino from the Deftones is on a song. Like I was like, wow, guest vocals, they know him. That's so cool that he would be on the record. So I listened to that record. I listened, I wore that record out, I swear to God. And then I was at a show. And some vendor was there, and he was selling merch from other bands, and I saw a Strife shirt. And I was like, Strife, cool. I love them. They're not even playing the show. I can own this shirt and not be a poser from buying it from Hot Topic. Right. And I bought the shirt, and on the back it said, you know, Straight Edge. And I was like, what the f- is Straight Edge? So, oh, wow. Um, so I, I, I like asked around. I was like, oh, Straight Edge, like that means you don't drink or do drugs. And I was like, wow, I don't do that anyways. Like, there's a name for it. I can feel like I'm part of something. And so I was introduced to Straight Edge through the band Strife and through the record in the Defiance. And I guess that probably is one of the most positive huh. records that's that's changed my life for the better um, because of Straight Edge, because that's how I found out about Straight Edge and how I felt like I belonged to something that was bigger than myself. And, uh, yeah, Strife in the Defiance. Awesome, man. So if you put, uh, what, so what were those picks again? It was, uh, Strife, Miles Davis, uh, yep. Strife, Miles Davis, Overcast and Led Zeppelin. Put all those together and you get the new Acacia Strain record, right? Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> it. Yeah. The next one, the next one will be influenced by those four artists and those four artists alone. Okay. Vincent, uh, who would play you in a movie if there was an Acacia Strain movie? Um, uh, Idris Elba. <laughs> Idris Elba. I like it. All right. Yeah. yeah. I want Idris Elba to play me. Stringer Bell. Uh, or who's the guy from 300? Who's that guy? What was his name? Oh, my God. The guy with the huge abs, with the crazy abs. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good yeah, one. that guy. Yeah. Gerard. Gerard. Uh, Butler. Yeah. Is that his name? Gerard Butler? Yeah. yeah. That guy. Okay, right on. Uh, so, final questions I have for you. For, I have for you, um, and 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 if you can pick a scar on your body and tell us the story of how you got that scar, Vincent. Um, let's see, scar. Okay, I have a scar on my middle finger mm-hmm. of my left hand. This is a good one. This is the stupidest thing I've ever done in my entire life. So, <laughs> good, good, good story. Good. I have a scar on my middle finger. It goes, it's on the left and the right side of my middle finger. And it, I was, one day I was at my house. So this is recent. <laughs> this is within the past, this is within the past five years. Okay. okay. Um, I was in my house and I was burning a Yankee candle and I noticed that the candle was burning poorly. It was burning down the center without melting any of the wax on the side. So I took the candle and I took a steak knife and I was going, you can see where this is going. I was going to clean all of the wax from that was tunneling 
um, I was going to clean, clean it from the edge of the candle. Yeah. So I took the candle and I took a steak knife and I was cleaning the, I was using a great amount of pressure to get the wax off of the sides of the candle. And I pushed the knife through the glass, through the wax, through the glass and through my finger. Oh. Um, and this is making me kind of sick talking about it, but so it looked like um, special effects from a saw movie. Oh. I had to knife that I was holding with my right hand through a candle and my finger and the candle was hanging off of the knife. So what I had to do is I had to think fast and pull. I pulled <laughs> the steak knife. That's a serrated knife. I pulled it out of my finger and immediately started bleeding all over my kitchen. So, um, I know first aid. I'm a I'm a I'm an Eagle Scout, so I yeah. know first aid. I'm trained in first aid. So I immediately put uh, my arm over my head, wrapped it in a towel, and called a friend on the phone because I had to keep my mind busy. I had to keep myself from going into shock. Yeah. So I, was call- I called my friend and I said, "Hey, um, I just did the dumbest thing I've ever done in my life. I really need to talk to you. I don't want to talk about it, but please just keep my mind busy." So I had this gaping wound in my finger and I was talking to my friend. So when I finally thought the bleeding had stopped, sat on my couch and I took the wrapping off and I just immediately started bleeding again. Ah. So I wrapped it back up. I went to CVS, which is right by my house. I went to CVS, put my hand in my pocket, wrapped it in a, in a towel. And I, uh, I bought um, needle and thread and some uh, bandages yeah. and some bactine and some I, all these things to clean a wound, uh-huh. um, butterfly stuff, and I went back home. So I so I paid for it. I used my right hand to pay for it. Not no, not thinking. Oh, my hand is literally covered in blood. Yeah. So I paid for this with bloody money. I went home and I literally stitched my finger up myself. Oh my god! Um, Damn. I had to. I had to do. I I don't have insurance. I don't have insurance, so I couldn't go to the hospital. Yeah. I don't like going to the emergency room. I would have been in the emergency room for four, four hours at least. So I just stitched it up myself. So now I can't straighten up my finger all the way, and I have a scar on either side. But that's my story. I appreciate you uh, making yourself woozy just for the good story, dude. I appreciate that. Yeah, literally the dumbest thing I've ever done in my entire life, Damn. aside from getting married. <laughs> well, uh, all right, man. So you, uh, you, you're staying busy at home, and, and I'm sure you're playing lots of video games and and uh you know it, you if if you're yeah, listening I have a Twitch I have a Twitch channel if oh, anybody yeah. wants to st- Yeah, shut that out. twitch.tv slash Vinny Benny. What do you what yeah, kind of games then, are you playing on there? This week I've played Final Fantasy Seven all yeah. week. I do I do themed weeks. So like this week is in Final Fantasy Seven, next week is Mega Man, last week was Castlevania, but every Saturday I do two hours of Dead by Daylight for um, a lot of people love that game and I like playing it. So yeah. Yeah, every Saturday is Dead by Daylight, and and I take recommendations. I, I like to. It, it's more. It's more for me to like interact with fans. It's not. Yeah. It's not as much me playing video games. It's me like hanging out and talking to people because that's what I feel like what everybody needs right now is somebody to talk to. That's cool, man. So so Vinny Benny. Yeah, V I N N Y B E N N Y. Right on. You'll check them out on Twitch and definitely check out the new Acacia Strain stuff. Order a seven inch. Uh, you know, they can use your help and, and, uh, you know, all independent and awesome underground bands can use your help. So support artists in need and, uh, you know, check out the new Acacia Strain. Uh, is there any final words you want to say to a Seattle audience while I gotcha? 
Uh, just um, stay home. Please, just stay home. As long as you can. This has been Metal Shop's Backstage Pass. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.